0: So we'll continue on today in our study of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles up to chapter 3. We're going to take a look today at the, the fifth of the seven churches to whom Jesus had the Apostle John write. We will talk about what the Spirit of the Lord says to the church of Sardis today. So, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. So Jesus is addressing this church from the the description that he gave of himself as he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. If you were with us when we studied Revelation chapter 1, you may remember that I took you back to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And we talked about the spirit of God being represented in seven distinct ways one spirit but seven unique attributes of the that one spirit of god now i won't take you back there again but in isaiah chapter 11 it speaks of the spirit of the lord the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So Jesus is all of the above. And for a better description on all that, you can go back and listen to chapter 1 on our website. But Jesus is all of that. The spirit of the Lord, of course, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. He is Lord of all. He is wisdom. He is understanding. He is our counselor. He is all powerful. He has all knowledge. Okay, and he is to be feared or a better word for to be feared would be to be reverenced. We are to reverence the Lord. So Jesus addresses this church in Sardis, reminding them of who he is. We also saw in chapter 1 that the seven stars that Jesus refers to here are representative of the angels of the seven churches. These were messengers of the Lord Jesus to these churches. And right off the bat here, we see that Jesus has some very heavy words for these believers in the church of Sardis. This particular church, right... The church in Sardis was a church that Jesus says here that their works gave them a a name that made them at least seem to be alive, but Jesus said that they were not alive, but were rather dead. It seems as if maybe they were keeping up appearances, right? But in reality, there was no spiritual life within them. They looked good from the outside. And I think and as I think about that, this is how it applies to many people in the world today. There are many people that give the appearance as being spiritually active people, but in reality, they're living in a spiritual doldrum or they're dead. And again, Jesus speaks to a church here, right? Keep that in mind. He's speaking to a church. He is speaking to believers, Believers in His name, people who profess Him, that's who He's speaking to. So maybe they appeared to be a church outwardly, but it wasn't the real deal. So again, it is indeed possible to appear to be alive spiritually, but to be dead spiritually. To be a church, even, that does good works. To be a people, to be a person that does good works, but to be dead spiritually. And Jesus, right, who is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, he looks deeper within us and he sees who we really are. Now, this reminds me of some scriptures in the book of Matthew that I'd like you to turn to. So mark this page and we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, and we're going to start reading in verse 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, Without leaving the others undone. So, Jesus is speaking to a group of religious people here, if you will, to whom he points out that they would pay attention to the minor things and ignore the major things. They were diligent to tithe off of everything that they had, down to the very nitty gritty. But when it came to important things, the things that really matter, like justice and mercy and faith, they neglected these things. And Jesus said, hey, pay attention to all the above. Tithe off of what you have, but don't forget the deeper spiritual things of life. Okay? It's not just about what you look like on the outside. It's not just about works. It's, a, it's deeper than that. And he continues on in verse 24 and he says, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. So think about that again. They tithe off of these very little down to the nitty gritty. Right. They make sure they cross all the T's and dot all the I's and do all of that. And they they strain out a gnat and they swallow a camel, meaning, you know, again, they're not paying attention to the bigger things that they're allowing in their lives. Right. Right. Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So do we get the gist here of what Jesus is saying? Do we see how important it is to Jesus who we are on the inside? The church of Sardis, as we turn back now to Revelation chapter 3, they gave this appearance of being alive, but on the inside they were dead. And I submit to you this morning that we must be careful that we do not fall into this trap ourselves because remember Jesus is speaking to believers in all of these churches that we've read about thus far and we must pay attention to who we really are internally rather than worrying about keeping up appearances and how we look on the outside okay you see there's one other thing I want to share with you before we move on here God founded the the Christian church, right? It was for the purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how the early church lived. It was all about spreading the gospel, taking the gospel out into all the world, to make disciples, to teach people about Jesus, to come to the knowledge of Jesus and a personal relationship with him. But today, the church, the body of Christ, we should be doing the same thing. We should be looking outwardly. We should be reaching out to others. The church should be about bringing people into a relationship with God, our creator, who has made himself known to this world in his son, through his son, Jesus Christ. So as Jesus addresses this church in Sardis, we must take the opportunity to address where we are spiritually as individuals as well. I quoted this to you last week, but we know scripture tells us to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith, right? And then Jesus goes on to tell them in verse two, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Now you may say, is any of us perfect? Poe buddies nerfed, right? Like the saying says. Well, the Greek word used in the original text for that word perfect there is the word plarao, okay? And it means to make full. It means to fill up. In other words, to make full to the fullest. To fill it up to the fullest, right? Don't stop doing what you're doing in the name of the Lord. Keep on going to the fullest. And this church had become... Again, look about something that looked good on the outside, but they were dried up on the inside in regards to the things that really mattered. They were dried up. And Jesus tells them to be watchful, to pay attention to what you are doing and to what you are not doing. And I really do believe that for any one of us, we can fall asleep spiritually and we can begin to drift and it doesn't, I've said this often, but, you know, Satan doesn't come up and say, Hi, I'm Satan. Come follow me, right? He just distracts us in the minor way, gets us off course, gets us off course. And then we wake up one day and we say, I don't even feel like I have a relationship with the Lord. Where is the Lord, right? So we have to pay attention that, that this doesn't happen to us, right? get up and get some strength back in your legs get going for the name of the lord because if you don't he's telling them you're going to die soon and do you ever feel that there is something deeper do you ever sense that even in your relationship with the lord there's a place where your soul wants more of god you want more of god you want more of the holy spirit you want to be led by him right And that's not a bad thing, of course. God wants us to to fill up to the fullest when it comes to serving the Lord and living for Him, right? Do you know how many people that I know have told me about the things they've done in the past for the Lord? I was talking with a guy this week, sharing the Lord with him. And he said, oh, you know, I I used to do this. I used to go to church and I used to sing in the church church blah, blah, blah. And I used to do that and that, right? But now what happens again is you just end up getting off course and you're distracted and you find that you're going in a completely different direction, right? They have in a sense that they're dying spiritually. And Jesus is saying, don't allow this. Strengthen what you have left. Strengthen it. Fill it it back up again. Keep going for the name of the Lord. In verse 3, Jesus says, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Now, pause right there for a minute. Jesus says, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Now, I'll speak personally here for a moment. When I first came to a relationship with Jesus Christ, at that moment in time... I began to focus my attention off of myself and off of the world's way of living, right? Keeping up appearances and having the attitude that images everything, because that's how I used to live before Christ, right? Well, all of that changed for me. I was now in love with Jesus. I now came to that place of my first love, which we talked about a few weeks back, right? And I, and I cared about who Jesus was to me. OK, and I had been set free from selfishness. Something was now more important to me than me. Okay. And the things that I wanted in this life grew, as the old song says, strangely dim because they didn't matter to me anymore. I came to a place where it was the Lord and his will that mattered to me. I began to seek him with all of my heart, and I had a strong, you know, a strong desire to live absolutely surrendered to him. And at that point in time, the reason I'm just giving you that example, my a bit of my testimony, is at that point in time, I, I became alive spiritually. Christ was now in me. You see, I use this personal example because I can't speak for you, right? But the Lord wants us to remain in that place. Where He is above all else. And I'll pause for a moment. <laughs> See, the things we do, we should do, desire to do for His glory. So the Lord tells them here in verse 3 to remember back to the day when they came to the knowledge of Him. Remember that, right? So, and I, you know, I just want to submit to you all this morning that it's important for us to take that self-evaluation too and say, what were things like when I first came to the Lord, when He first began to open my eyes to the things of His Word and the truth? And He doesn't want us to leave that place, okay? And to this church, to this group of believers, He is giving them a strong warning and telling them to pay attention to, because they're dying spiritually. And verse 3 here continues. And Jesus says, Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Now let me expound on this for just for a minute here. The city of Sardis was an ancient city that was situated on a rocky bluff, right? It was like a cliff that overlooked a plain called the Plain of Hermus. It's located today in modern-day Turkey. Okay, But again, this city was on a cliff, and on three sides of this cliff, it was thought to be unscalable. No one could get to them. No one could get to this city on three sides. They didn't think that an army could get to them and attack them on those three sides, so they only guarded the one side of the city. Okay. Well, two times in history they were attacked. One night the army of Cyrus climbed the rock and captured the fortress like a thief in the night. You see, this city was an actual city. And they had this false security due to their belief that nothing could harm them, nothing could touch them. So they had this false security. And the believers here were being warned by Jesus in the spiritual sense that they may think they are secure because they appear outwardly to be strong, but in reality they are dead because they're not doing what they were doing when they first came to the Lord. They didn't stay the course. And they had this false sense of security. And people today that are not alive in Christ spiritually will be taken by surprise when the Lord returns for His church. Let's drive this point home a little more. Let's turn back to the book of Matthew again, Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, it speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And looking down at verse 37, Matthew 24, 37, It says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So there was kind of a false sense of security in the days of Noah as well. They thought everything was fine. People were living life as Normal, Right. They weren't taking heed to the warnings of Noah, who was preaching righteousness to them. They weren't paying attention to this. They just kept going about their daily lives. And verse 39 says, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the son of man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So again, the church in Sardis was being warned in this same way by Jesus that he would come upon them like a thief in the night, and he's warning them, these believers, that they need to be watchful. You need to be alert, spiritually alive, spiritually attentive, right? They needed to pay attention to their spiritual lives. They needed to guard themselves on all sides. And we, got, we need to guard ourselves too spiritually, and not allow things to creep into our lives, from this world and and the immoral ways of this world, right? And we need to know God's word, which will lead us to knowing God's will for our lives, right? And as we flip back to Revelation chapter three, Jesus goes on in verse four. So back in Revelation chapter three, verse four, he says, you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So here Jesus gives us the contrast, right? There were those in Sardis that were spiritually dead, but then there were a few which were not. And Jesus says they haven't defiled their garments. So what is it that defiles our garments today? It is this world in which we temporarily now walk through. If we're not careful, we can fall into defiling our garments, in a sense, in this world, right? We are to be what the Bible calls sojourners, pilgrims, right? People that are just passing through, right? In the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11, it speaks of the people of faith that have gone on before us, and it says that they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's what they said about their lives here. We're strangers and pilgrims here, okay? What does that mean? It means that we're not to get all tangled up in this world. We're just here temporarily. We're just passing through. The world around us may be going in a, in a sinful way, It may be going to hell in a handbasket, as they say, but we must recognize that, as Jesus says, we are to be in this world, but not of this world. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what the Lord desires for us is that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, okay? And these few people in the church of Sardis, they lived their lives in the right way. And they had a promise from Jesus there in verse 4 that they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. They had this promise from the Lord because they walked in the right right way. And we must remember that Jesus paid a very high price to redeem us. He sacrificed his life. He shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And we've been redeemed out of darkness and into marvelous light. Like we just sung about this morning. Right? You know what, let's turn to First uh, Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 And let's start reading in verse 9 It says, "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. So 1 Peter chapter 2. So we see that we are to be a people of praise. And we have a a lot to praise Him for, right? He has called us out of darkness and He has called us into His marvelous light. So we've been called out of one place and into another place and we're now to walk in the light, okay? And then verse 10 there says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So that's something else to praise him for, isn't it? That we have now obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. So here again, right? Keep your garments clean. Do not walk in the ways of darkness, but rather walk in the way of the light. Because again, Jesus paid a very high price to redeem us. 1 John says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, and since we're right here in 1 Peter, I want to show you something else. Look back just one chapter to chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. And starting down in verse 17. It says, And if you call on a Father who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, has redeemed us. His blood is indeed precious. So we then are to be, we're we're to live, right? We're to live out this life that we have here now. We're to live it out in such a manner that we abstain from fleshly lust. Because as we just saw in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, fleshly lust war against our souls, right? If we give in to fleshly lust, we are destroying our souls, And the solution to fleshly lust, as I quoted to you a few moments ago, is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And what does that do? When we don't conform to this world and we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, it says that we are then able to... um, you know, discern, right? What is that good and acceptable will of God? We can know the will of God in our lives when we turn to His Word. But there is a battle for our souls and the choice is ours as to what to do, right? We can live in fleshly lusts or we can abstain abstain from fleshly lust and keep our garments clean, as Jesus said the few in Sardis had done. <coughs> And as we flip back now to Revelation chapter 3, Jesus continues on in verse 5. So back in Revelation 3 verse 5, He says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let's take a few moments just to break that down. Jesus says that he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Now, for the sake of time, we will not look at this in depth today, but I'm sure we will in the future. But the church of Jesus Christ, right? People that have come to faith in Jesus, we are referred to as the bride of Christ. We are, as we read earlier in 1 Peter, we're his own special people. And Jesus told a parable that I would like for us to take a look at here this morning. And I want to have you go back to Matthew again. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. (coughs) Matthew chapter 22. And let's start reading in verse 1. It says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Okay, so they're asking Jesus here about heaven. And Jesus gives them this parable. He's telling them a story about a wedding. This is what heaven's like. Right? Remember, again, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ, and we will study that in a future study. Verse 3 and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Okay, now let me ask you something. To whom did the gospel go to first? The gospel went to the Jews first. Did they receive it? Some did. But not all of them as a whole. They didn't receive it. Okay. So verse 3 says, And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Verse 4, again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. So we know that Jesus sent the apostles out, right, to preach the gospel. And in the book of Acts, we see Peter, John, Paul, right, all of those others taking the gospel out. And what did they do? They took it to the Jews again first. Okay, Verse five, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. You see, the same thing happens in the world today, doesn't it? And in the lives of people today. People don't have time for Jesus, right? Uh, We'll do that some other day. I'll do that in the future. Right now, I'm busy. I've got to get my career in order. I've got to get this in order. I've got to get that in place, right? Verse 6, And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Okay? So there have been many people martyred for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. So judgment came. In this parable, judgment came for the wicked. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Remember what we read back in Revelation chapter three? Jesus said that there were a few in Sardis who had kept their garments clean and they were worthy to walk with him in white. Verse nine, therefore go into the highways and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. You see, this is a picture here of the gospel going forth into all the world. It went to the Jews first but then it went out to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Peter goes to an Italian man's house. A man named Cornelius gave him the gospel. The gospel at that point began to go to Gentiles as well. The gospel's going out into all the world, and still today goes out into all the world. And people still today are invited to the wedding. People are still invited to the bride, as, to the bride of Christ. Right. Verse 10. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So the idea here, here is that we need to be in a wedding garment when we stand before the Lord. It is a white garment. And where do we get this white garment from? Okay. Well, flipping back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 again tells us that the overcomers will be clothed in white garments. You see... It's the Lord that gives us the white garment. We live this life for His glory. We place Him in the highest position in our lives. He is Lord of all. We desire desire to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and we surrender our lives to Him. And this is not a one-time thing. We must continue in the faith, and we keep going right we must fight the fight stay the course not give in to fleshly lust that war against our souls and when we do and when we come to that day in time when we are standing before the lord he'll then say to us well done thou good and faithful servant all throughout the new testament excuse me and you've seen me you know you've heard me preach about this as we've gone through it's all about staying the course keep going Keep seeking the Lord. Serve the Lord on a daily basis. Otherwise, we end up off into the world and distracted by the world. And then Jesus comes to these churches and He has a warning for them, especially like He has here for Sardis. Strengthen what remains. You look good on the outside. Okay, yeah, I see your works. You're you're doing something good. You're not a bad person. But you're dead. You're dead spiritually. And the Lord is constantly encouraging us in that. Okay, you see, Jesus will open the book of life at one point in time in the future and our names will either be written in it or they will have been blotted out from it. And what we choose today and how we determine we're going to live this life will dictate whether our names are are there or not. Jesus has done all that he can to redeem us out of darkness. He's done all that he can to call us into his marvelous light. But he doesn't take away our free will. He doesn't take away our choice to say, ah, "I'm going this way today. I'm going to go. at any point in time, any one of us can walk back into the sin of this world. Beware when you think you stand. The Bible says, "Lest you fall." I never go through life thinking that I'm unable to go out and sin because any one of us can. But what do I want to do? I want to fix my eyes. I want to be in the light as he is in the light. I want to stay in fellowship with Jesus Christ and in his word. And I want to walk in his will. And we must now choose him to be not just savior, but Lord of our lives, right? And. We need to overcome this world and walk by faith all the way to the end. And there's a great and precious promise for the people that do. Jesus points out, there's a few of you in Sardis that do. There's a great and precious promise. And we will be at that wedding feast. And we will be clothed in garments. Those garments will be white, not because of our self-righteousness, but they will be white because of the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to close this morning by taking you back to Revelation chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. Revelation chapter 1. And I want to start reading in verse 4. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see, that's the way right there. And that's the only way right there that someone is made clean in the sight of the Lord. We are made clean. We will wear white garments because of the fact that Jesus has washed us in His own blood. And right now, by faith, we are to walk through this life as if we're already wearing those white garments. And we're to try and keep those garments clean and not be stained and dirtied up by this world around us, right? Every day we walk through this world, it's easy just to get dirty, spiritually dirty and begin to spiritually die because the devil, the enemy of God, the enemy of the people of God, he wants to lure us into living back in the darkness, not in the marvelous light, but he wants us back in the darkness. Okay, and in verse six, again, there in Revelation chapter three, we've heard many times this Uh, you know, as we've studied Revelation just in these first three chapters, I don't know how many times we've heard this, but in verse 6 of chapter 3, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, right? So in other words, that's you and me. What did the Spirit of the Lord say to the seven churches? He wants us to hear it. He wants us to pay attention to it. He wants us to take heed. He wants us to place Him first in our lives, to seek Him, to keep filling it up, to keep going, and to strengthen what remains and to serve Him with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, okay? And why do we gather like this? To be reminded of this, right? Because we've got another week to walk back out into this dirty world again, okay? And we've got to be strengthened in the Lord and in His Word. So that's why we do what we do here. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You that You have not left us comfortless or alone, Lord. You have given us of Your Spirit, Lord. You have given us Your Word that, that teaches us, that leads and guides us through this life. Your Word is a, a lamp to our feet. And a light to our path. And we walk through a dark world, Lord, and we will trip and we will stumble if we do not have the light of your word on our feet, Lord. We will not see as we walk the paths of this life, Lord, because this world is full of darkness and it's full of distractions that desire to take our hearts and minds off of you. But Lord, you have called us out of darkness. You have redeemed us and you have brought us into your marvelous light. May we walk in that way, Lord. May we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. You you have promised that you will provide to us the things that we need, but you desire for us to seek you first. So Lord, again, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We pray you go before us in the rest of this week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.